We are thankful to the Almighty God for a time like this to continue our series on Ephesians. This year we've been treating Ephesians as part of our Pen TV program on examining the scriptures. We started examining the scriptures from 2017, going through the Hebrews, and then going through 1 John, based on every year's theme of the Church of Pentecost. This year's theme, I will build my church, relates very well with Ephesians. We see in Ephesians the church and Christ. And so we've been treating it in the mainline church, Akan, and here this morning, we want to continue with the same examination of scriptures, examining the scriptures, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7 to verse 15. We want to go through Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7 to 15. We are linking it with Nessia's team, which is a glorious church possessing the nations. A glorious church possessing the nations. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7 to verse 15, we want to examine the scriptures and the focus for that scripture reading is on a glorious church and a fivefold ministry. The glorious church and a fivefold ministry. To whet your appetite for next year's theme, it is a glorious church possessing the nation. We have examined Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 to 6, telling us about the church and its unity. We examine it from verse 1 to 6, as to the church and its unity. We continue from there, reading from verse 7, to verse 15, and then we look at the glorious church and the fivefold ministry gifts. Verse 7 But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Therefore, it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, 
the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrines, by human cunning, by craftiness, in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way unto him who is the head, unto Christ. Amen. A glorious church and the fivefold ministry gifts. A glorious church possessing the nation, or a glorious church to possess the nation, Christ Jesus, who is the groom, wants to adorn the church such that the church will be glorious. And in doing so, he has already given to the church gifts of men. And these gifts of men, the Bible tells us that Christ Jesus, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. We are examining a glorious church and a fivefold ministry. So he ascended on high and he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. The Bible says that this he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. He gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That is to say, the groom wants to adorn the bride to be glorious and beautiful. You know, when you get your wife and every good husband always wants to make his wife beautiful. That is what Jesus also intends doing. And for the church to be glorious, the body needs to be nurtured by gifted men. And so in saying that Jesus ascended and then he dispensed gifts unto men, these gifts became also gifts to the church. So he says that he gave some to be apostles. The giver and the gifts, we want to examine the giver and the gift. The giver of the gift is Christ, and the gifts are gifted spiritual leaders whom Christ has given to his church subsequent to his ascension. So subsequent to Christ's ascension, he gave these gifts for preparing God's people for works of service, Ephesians 4, 12. 
And we see in this also that he gave this for the spiritual growth of the body of Christ as God intended. When we turn to Ephesians 4, 13 to 19, we see it that he gave these gifts that for the spiritual growth of the body of Christ, as God intended, this gifted leader, Jesus' intent purpose after his ascension was to use them as equipers and custodians of the faith. Equipers and custodians of the faith so that the church will be glorious. The point is made clearer in chapter 4, verse 14, as Paul puts it, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every kind of teaching and by the cunning craftiness of men in their deceitful schemings. So there are two purposes here. Preparing God's people for works of service, Ephesians 4.12, and then for the spiritual growth of the body of Christ, the bride, so that the bride will also grow and no longer be infant. You know that infants do not marry, and so the bride needs to grow. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and cunning devices of men. So the giver and the gifts. The giver is Christ Jesus, the gifts are men, whom Christ Jesus will always dispense his grace through them. We want to examine the Godhead and the ministry gifts, the glorious church and the fivefold ministry gifts. We want to underscore the fact that the Godhead is involved in the, in the dispensation or, or in dispensing the gifts. So we see that in the building and operation of the church, the Godhead as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there is that involvement. God the Father gave Christ to the world. And God, who is the giver of all things and the possessor of all power and fullness of the Godhead, is made available to his people to bring the church to all what intents. In treating Ephesians chapter 1, 2, and 3, we see in Ephesians chapters 1, 2, and 3 that the intent purpose of God the Father is to bring all things in heaven and on earth together and make all these things together, bring them under the headship of Christ. And that is God's eternal purpose, God's, the Father's eternal purpose. So to continue with the purpose, he gave Christ Jesus to come on earth so as to fulfill part of the purpose. And so God the Father gave Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus, his son, came to the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son 
that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. We are treating the Godhead's involvement in the dispensation of the fivefold ministry, God the Father, God the Son, and the Spirit. So we want to say that in explaining the above statement that the, the Godhead is involved in the ministry gifts, God the Father sent Jesus. Jesus came, he preached Christ, he preached God as a God of love. And then the Father's burden was the whole world. So as the Father operated in the early saints, it is the Father who gives the power to operate and work all things in the body of Christ in all. So we see God the Father who gave Christ. And then the Son of God gave himself for the church. Ephesians 5, 23 to 27 tells us the Son was concerned and had a burden for his church. That's for his ascension. He prayed before Christ's ascension, he prayed not for the world, but for his church. And his heartbeat was that the church will be glorious. Don't forget that when Jesus was on earth in the flesh, he, he actually said that he will build his church. And so before ascending into heaven, he still had in mind a church that was to be glorious. So he prayed for the saints and that all those that he was leaving behind who would accept the gospel message, the Father should also prepare them so that they will also come and see the glory that God the Father had given to Christ. And so the Son also was involved in the ministry gifts. And then the Holy Spirit, who is God's gift through Christ, also is an agent through whom now he gives the spiritual gifts of men. He works with the Father and the Son, and he also gives, gives gifts, spiritual gifts, to men whom the Lord Jesus Christ has called to be apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, and teachers. So all what we want to discuss in the glorious church and the fivefold ministry gift, we want to set the background that the Godhead is involved. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Thus we have diversities of gifts by the same Spirit. So Paul tells us that we have diversities of gifts by the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and we have diversities of ministries by the same Lord. So the Son, and we have diversities of activities by the same God, the Father. So the Triune Godhead is involved in the dispensation or in dispensing gifts to the church, a glorious church and the fivefold ministry. So he says that when he ascended, he gave gifts unto men. 
And these gifts, we have already said that it is gift of men to the church. And it is the ascension gift ministries. These are five in number and are called ascension gift ministries because it was after Christ descending to earth and ascending to heaven that he gave gifts to the church. Numerous scriptural texts may tell us that of descending and ascending, but we don't want to go into that cases. But what we want to say is that we have five-fold ascension gift ministries of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Some theologians, by way of their own experience, or to say by way of not entering into the supernatural, or by way of getting it out of hand, combine the pastor-teacher as one, but it must be noted that some pastors are not teachers and some teachers are not pastors. Though teaching the word is involved in a greater measure, in some measure in both ministries. But for the Ascension Gift Ministry, the purpose of the fivefold ministry, as we already have said, is that we, Jesus wants the perfecting or maturing of the saints. The word perfect does not mean sinless perfection, but it is maturing to a status where we can say that at least the bride is grown and the bride is glorious. So for the perfecting or maturing of the saints and for the work of ministry, that is to bring the saints into the work of ministry. Ministry has, in its sense, there are about four areas of ministry. We have general ministry, that is serving one another. And then we have ministering of the word of God through ordained ministers. That is what we call Christian-specific ministers. But for the perfecting of the saints and for the work of ministry, these gifted men are called so as that they will also train, bring up members of the body of Christ so that they will also continue in the work of ministry. And for the edifying or building up of the body of Christ, the body of Christ is the church. And the body must continually be built. Jesus says, I will build my church. And in building his church, it is an ongoing process, just like any other body. Or every human being always has to, you know, take good care of the body, build it up, nourish it, and makes it makes the body function and grow well. So for the edifying or building up of the body of Christ, 
These fivefold ministries are given for the balance of each other as well as balance in the body of Christ. What we are saying is that there is the need for this fivefold ministry in our current situation. If the church of God has not come to its consummation, there needs to be the fivefold ministry to perfect the saints, to train and equip the saints, and to edify the body of Christ. In Ephesians 4.13, there is the phrase, or there is the word, until we reach maturity, until we reach the maturity. We want to examine the fulfillment of the ministries. The end result or the consummate ministry of the ascension gift is to bring the church to the unity of the faith. Now the church has not come to its end to the unity of faith, but the church continues to be brought to the unity of faith and unto the knowledge of the Son of God. So for that reason, there is the need for the fivefold ministry gifts. Don't forget that a glorious church and the fivefold ministry, we need the five all together in our time to bring the church unto a perfect man, a full-grown man, maturity. You know, children don't marry. So the church needs to be, to be a mature body and to bring the church unto the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. Unto the measure of the fullness of Christ, you can't just say you have reached that fullness. That's why it is something, a continual process. It is a process. And that measure will be seen when Christ returns. It is there that we say that we have come to that measure, but we wouldn't know. But to bring the church unto the measure of the statue of fullness of Christ, the church having been brought to that standard, Jesus will, be, will now present himself. And so until the day of rapture, that is the day that we say that, well, the church has now been brought to the fullness of the measure of Christ. And that's why the Bible says, when we see him, then we shall be like him. But now we still need to. We still need to. So it is work that God has placed into the hands of these gifted men that he has set them to be gifts to the church. There is a time limit. These ministries are given until the purpose is accomplished as seen in Ephesians 12, Ephesians 4, 12 to 16. That the fivefold ministry has not, has not always been accepted by some theologians and some churches. They only accept the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher. But the apostles and prophets, 
Some do say that, well, we don't have apostles because the apostles were called by Jesus Christ himself. We will go through that. But for now, until the purpose, the consummation of the age, we still need apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. It must be noted that these ministries are given by Christ until the consummation. I want you to say until the consummation, which has not yet been reached. Hence, the necessity for all the ascension gifts ministries. Christ will come for his bride. So until he comes for his bride, we need ascension gift apostles, ascension gift prophets, ascension gift evangelists, ascension gift pastors and teachers. Hallelujah. We see God as God of the living. And he is not God of the past. So many people see God as the God of the past. Hence, the cessation of the office of the apostle and prophet. Thus, they see God as dealing with Moses, Elijah, and some of the New Testament apostles, notably Peter and Paul, in a more powerful way in their days. But the fact is, God is not a God of the dead but he's a God of the living. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, Jesus ascended, and he still had in mind that after his ascension and his glorification, he left the work onto the body of Christ, that's the church. And therefore, he needed ministry leaders who would continue with their work. That's why we want to say that the cessation of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, there isn't that cessation, especially with the apostolic and prophetic ministry, but until the consummation, until Christ comes for the church in the rapture, there these things will cease. So, for example, we want to, we are trying to cut across the point that apostles, prophets, the ascension gift ministry, especially, especially these two, you know, gifts of men, which people do not see that we need them. We want to bring an example from the Old Testament using the bars of the tabernacle of the Lord. You know, the church is considered as the New Testament tabernacle of the Lord. And in Moses' time, Moses' time, the tabernacle had five bars, five bars which bound the whole structure together in one tabernacle. And the individual bars stood in sockets of silver, but to stand upright all alone will not have constituted the Lord's tabernacle. What we want to say that five represents grace. So as the Old Testament tabernacle had five bars which supported 
you know, one another and brought the tabernacle to be whole, in as much as we see that in the Old Testament, we also see in the New Testament five ministry gifts that combine to make the church glorious. And then when we come to the same five gifts of men, we have the five senses in the human body. The human body, we have the five senses, the hearing, the sight, the smelling, the touching, and the, the tasting, five. And so God, the Son, has set five senses in the human body for the protection and care of the body. So God is also, for his church today, has set five ministries as the spiritual senses of the body of Christ for its protection and care. Then there is also another explanation using the five fingers. We have the, the thumb, we have this, we have this, we have this, you have this one. This one, the thumb, represents the apostle. The apostle touches all the gifts. And this, we have the prophet. He sees. And this is the evangelist. And this is the pastor. We have the teacher. Five. Powerful. Joining together to bring the body of Christ into its complete fullness and power. So the fivefold ministry, we have apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. We want to see the ministry of the apostle. We have classification of apostles, but the word apostle is used of the Lord Jesus to describe his relation to God as the one sent. God, the Father, sent the Son. So in its general term, apostle is one sent. The noun apostolos derived from the verb apostolo is to send. And so it generally refers to individuals specifically called commissioned and given authority by the Lord Jesus Christ to be his representatives in proclaiming the gospel and establishing the church. So God the Father sent Jesus on earth. The Bible tells us that the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. He came from the Father, so he was sent. So he is the first apostle by its general term. And then the 12 disciples chosen by the Lord Jesus Christ for special training were so-called in Luke 6, 13 and in Luke 9, 10, the first disciples, the 12 that Jesus called, they were also named apostles. And he sent them and commissioned them, gave them authority 
to preach the kingdom of God. So an apostle generally is one sent. Jesus is the first, and Jesus, whilst he came on earth, chose first 12, he sent them. And Paul tells us that he also was commissioned by the Lord Jesus Christ. But that one is a special grace that God, through Jesus Christ, gave to Paul. So Paul is, uh, Paul is trying to tell us that though he had seen the Lord Jesus, he had not, he was not of the original apostles. But later, when Jesus ascended into heaven and then Peter and the first appointed apostles were preaching the gospel, later Jesus apprehended Paul on Damascus Road and he also revealed himself to him. Paul says that as one untimely born, and so as one untimely born, he also gave him that grace to be called an apostle. And in its general sense, he also sent him with the gospel to the nations. So apostle is a technical term used to denote one sent. Sometimes we go on preaching and teaching, having retreats, and we say we are going for apostolization. The church is an apostolic church in that the church is called and sent. In Matthew 28, 18 to 20, go ye. So Jesus has called the church and the church is an apostolic church, a church that has a commission, a church that has been sent. And in that technical term, apostle is one who is also sent. And so all of us are in the apostolic ministry. And within the apostolic ministry, there are some Jesus has also called specifically and dispense grace upon them to apostolize, to teach and to train, to perfect the saints who are engaged in apostolic ministry to also go and win others and to disciple them. And that is the essence of apostolization. In apostolization, we are a church that has been called and that has been commissioned, that has been sent. And Jesus also, when he ascended, he also dispensed gifts unto men and he made some apostles. Within the church that has been sent, there are some that are apostles to also train the members of the body of Christ to also dis disciple others. So apostolos, that literally means ones sent forth. And apostle in this general sense remain essential to fulfilling God's purpose in the church. Apostle, in this general sense, remain essential in fulfilling God's purpose in the church. We 
want to see the, the distinction in terminology. I've already in person said we have the first 12 apostles who were called by Jesus Christ. They witnessed his resurrection. They ate with him. He trained them. And so some of the original first century apostles were uniquely commissioned to write scripture and they stand as people whose writings form the New Testament apostolic truth to safeguard the ages. So that is the first apostles. All the theology, experience, and practice and all scriptural manifestations must be evaluated in the light of their writings, for they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. They were the first custodians of the faith, the first apostles. And in that sense, when we say apostolic foundation or apostolic truth or apostolic uh, faith, it is all that Jesus Christ thought the first apostles and commissioning them, writing all what he needed to give to his church, embodied in the word of God. That is one mark of the first apostles. But until the consummation of the church of God, we still need ascension gift apostles. So we come to the ascension gift apostles. In connection with Ephesians 4, 11 to 13, the conjunction, as I've already said, until indicates that all the fivefold leadership ministry gifts, including the apostolic ministry, continue to be essential to bring the corporate body of Christ to maturity. This ministry, as the Spirit wills, involves signs and wonders. So the ascension gift apostles, of which I am part, of, of which I am one, is a gift of men, but it is Christ who transforms himself or who translates himself into such men and so the apostle becomes a gift. Apostles are usually not quite and generally do not work behind the scenes. What we want to say is that the ascension gift apostles are people God the Son has dispensed gifts upon them. On the day of Pentecost, Peter preached and 3,000 people were saved. With that of Peter's preaching, we can say he was originally with the first apostles. But later on, after the ascension of Christ, there were others who were called into the apostolic ministry or who received gifts, who broke grounds, and who set captives free. So for the church of God to be glorious, Apostles are needed, and they are people who God has dispensed gifts upon them. And simply put, they do not work behind the scene. 
They do not work behind the scene in the sense that they are first to go and break grounds where no one has even sent their gospel. The apostle or the ascension gift apostle goes to the ground, preaches the gospel, is accompanied by signs and wonders, miracles. So to say that certain gifts of the Holy Spirit belong to this ministry, healing, exorcism, raising the dead, miracles. It is this ministry that reveals the pastoral teacher as well as the prophetic ministry in the New Testament epistles. So we are discussing first ascension gift apostle, apostles. Ascension, ascension gift apostles do not work behind the scene. They do not work behind the scene in, in the sense that they have gifts that will bring out all other ministries. But the gift that, that they, they show will always attract people unto the Lord. Let me emphasize that there would never be the breaking of grounds and setting of captives free without the apostolic ministry. The apostles go to the ground. The apostles prepare the ground for evangelism. The apostle is endued with miracles. The apostle is endued with signs and wonders. And that, for once, will catch the crowd. And then churches will be established. Amen. So with us as part of the apostolic ministry, or with us receiving this grace of apostleship, we are speaking from experience that we still have ascension gift apostles in our time. All the mission places that in even our time, particularly when we were in Liberia, when we were in the Gambia, when we were in Senegal, when we were in upper region, all these grounds that churches are there, we would testify, or I would testify that there wouldn't have been the breaking of the grounds without signs and miracles accompanying us as ascension gift apostles. When we were in the Gambia, we set foot to Senegal to break the grounds. You need signs and wonders to accompany you. When we were in Gambia, we set feet to Guinea-Bissau, and where no one has established the church, you have to engage in a time of prayer with the Lord, and then go out, preach the gospel, and the people to see miracles, signs, for them to know that Christ Jesus is still working. So I particularly have numerous signs and wonders that helped us to set the mission field 
for the establishment of some of these churches. Amen. In Guinea-Bissau, at the first open-air meeting, we used megaphone. And three days we fasted, waited upon the Lord, and when we, we came out preaching the gospel of Christ, a young man called Ake, who was deaf and dumb, he had the ear open and he spoke for the first time. It was two days open air preaching. And thereafter, when we were going through the town with our vehicle inscription, the Church of Pentecost, people would be raising their hands and say, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. There the church was established. In Senegal, it was the same. In Bolgatanga, it was the same. Places like Riaga, Easter Christmas Convention, the death had their hearing restored. In the villages, Pinyurok, Kayurok, name those places. Blind Sob had their sight. And Christmas conventions, people, the crippled walk. Sometimes you even will forget these signs and miracles that the Lord has used you for. And when some people, someone will see you and you remember that, oh, this time I saw, I, I, I was at such a place when these miracles happened. So we want to underscore the fact that we still have ascension gift apostles. And happy to say that I am one. And the Lord continues to use us to break grounds, establish churches, equip leaders, bring back new leaders, and so to the glory of the Lord. A glorious church and a fivefold ministry gift. Amen. Apostles. Apostle is not just a title. Apostle is one whom the Lord has dispensed gifts, and he is a gift. That person is a gift to the church. So the apostle who is a gift to the church should also not demand gifts because he should be a, he, he should be a sacrificial, you know, offering given to the church. So it is this ministry that reveals the pastoral teacher and as well as the prophetic ministry in the New Testament, ascension gift ministry apostles. It's my time. All right. We have two Sundays, so, so we have seen the apostles, the, the ascension gift apostles. Then he gave some to be prophets. Don't forget the word to be. To be. He gave some to be. In some translations, you see, he, he made some. He made some, and he gave some to be. The implication to he made some, he gave some, that is, it is by the gifts in that person that makes him the apostle or that makes him the prophet. It is the gift that makes him the gift to the church. So he, he made some. So man cannot manufacture or man cannot 
make someone an apostle. Sometimes we will hear that, hey, they have made him an apostle. The general council or the church has made him an apostle. But you yourselves, you must know whether you are apostle or not. There are types of leaders. Leaders, some leaders are man-made leaders. Some leaders are self-appointed leaders. Some leaders are demon-appointed leaders. And some God-appointed leaders. He made some. Jesus made some to be apostles. So it is Jesus who calls and ordains. He made some to be prophets. So we see the ascension gift prophets. Essential to God's purpose for the church is the ministry of the prophet. The word prophety in Greek denotes one who speaks forth or openly a proclaimer of divine message. In the Greek translation of the New Testament, the word raw is used to denote a seer. A seer, S-E-E-R, that one who sees behind the scene. One who spiritually has a telescopic eye to see through spiritual things. It's not just like he slept and he had a dream, but within his born again spirit, the Son, Jesus Christ, grants him gifts to see through the spiritual realm. And then he becomes the mouthpiece of God, or he becomes the mouthpiece of Jesus Christ so that he will bring revelation to the church. And so we see in the Old Testament, a seer is used indicating that the prophet was one who had immediate intercourse with God. And it's also translated nabi, meaning either one in whom the message from God springs forth. So when he sees in the spiritual realm, then God also uses him to bring out what he sees to his people. And in the New Testament, the church, until the consummation of the ages, the church still needs New Testament prophets. The prophet in general, as was in the Old Testament, was one to whom anything is secretly communicated. So with the prophet, God communicates his secret to him. The secret things belong to God. But the things that God wants the church to know, he will communicate to his true prophets. Hence, the prophet in general was one upon whom the Spirit of God rested. And prophets in the New Testament are those spiritual leaders who uniquely are gifted in receiving and communicating direct revelation from God by the Holy Spirit. And so one of their main concerns for the need of the prophet was the spiritual life and purity of the church. A glorious church and the fivefold ministry gift. 
the gift of the prophet. The prophet is always concerned with the spiritual life and purity of the church. A glorious church without spot or wrinkle. Under the new covenant, New Testament ascension gift prophets are raised and empowered by the Holy Spirit to bring a message from God to his people. And so prophets as part of the fivefold ministry continue to be essential to God's purpose for today. We need them. Their gifts, they are spirit-filled proclaimers of the word of God called by God to warn, exhort, comfort, and edify. That is with the vocal, you know, in the vocal sense, they become the mouthpiece of God. Like the Old Testament, the ascension gifts prophets are called to expose sin. When we say they are called to expose sin, I want to explain here that they are not witch hunters. They are not witch hunters. But they are part of the five senses with the nose, it's like the nose that can smell. You know, that has that kind of, you know, sharp to ever sense the presence of sin in the church. And so they are called to expose sin, proclaim righteousness, warn of judgment to come, and combat worldliness and lukewarmness among God's people. So if a, an ascension gift prophet does not or is not concerned with the proclamation of the righteousness or, or proclamation of righteousness, but always will preach, God bless you, God bless you, butter my bread and sugar my cocoa, and will always will be giving prophecies that will always put you in these things of the world, then, mind you, he is not an ascension gift prophet. They are called to expose sin, proclaim righteousness, combat worldliness and lukewarmness in the church. A prophet's character, burden, and desire and ability may include a zeal for church purity, we already have said that. And they are very sensitive to evil and their capacity to identify unrighteousness. So when our others are saying that, oh, it's good, it's good, there is, there is always the prophet who will come and say, no, this time, this is not it. Keen in exposing sin and keen in understanding of the danger of false teachings. Matthew 7, 15 to 17, Jesus tells us about false teachers and false prophets. But the New Testament ascension gift prophet will always warn the church about impending false teachings and false prophets parading themselves in the corridor of the church. So, the church needs the prophet. And then 
there is also an inherent dependence on God's word to validate his message and concern. There is always the word, the word, because the prophet cannot go out from the word to say what he wants to say from his own inner being. So the keen dependence on the word of God, it is the word that validates his ministry or his message. And as he has a concern for the spiritual success of God's kingdom and a sharing in God's feelings, what we want to say that the prophet always shares God's feelings. When people are being deceived into drinking all sorts of concussion and into going through all forms of, you know, as exercises that we term physical exercises but not spiritual exercises, perspiration without inspiration, the prophet will say that this practice is not from God. So his concern for the spiritual success of God's kingdom and he will always share the feelings of God. In Israel's time, the prophet will always stand unique and sometimes he will be rejected. The New Testament ascension gift prophet also has such concern, such that sometimes he is considered as mad. Let's turn to Hosea chapter 9, verse 7 and 8, and see sometimes what the prophet is considered. The prophet sometimes is considered as a mad man because of what he sees and the feelings that he has. When our others are saying it is good, when our others do not see the essence of living righteous, the essence of getting themselves out from worthiness, the prophet will come and say, this is what the Lord is saying, judgment is coming, you must repent. And sometimes his behavior may be seen as a maniac. Let's see Hosea 9, 7 to 8. The days of punishment are coming. The days of reckoning are at hand. Let Israel know this. Because your sins are so many and your hostility so great, the prophet is considered a fool. The inspired person a maniac. The prophet, along with my God, is the watchman over Ephraim. Yet snares await him in all on all his paths and hostility in the house of his God. So as the prophet shares the pathos of God, the feelings of God, he will always be seen as someone who is mad. And we can always use the term kolo. He is not, you know, contemporary. And others will even have to put traps, set traps against him. Verse 8 says, the prophet along with my God is the watchman over Ephraim, yet await him on all his paths 
and hostility in the house of his God. When we come to even the Church of Pentecost, some of our prophets, let me use my brother, my friend, Prophet Amenyampo. Sometimes people will not understand some, sometimes how he behaves. <laughs> and, you know, he may have deep revelation concerning the danger and some of the things that need to be corrected, which all others may not see. For the purity of the church and for the sanctity of the church, the prophet will always be seen as a fool and be seen as a snare because he shares the pathos of God. May the Lord help us so that we get prophets who will stand in and warn against false doctrine and also see to the purity of the church. The gift of the Spirit which belong to this ministry are prophecy, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, designing of spirits, and sometimes miracles as the Holy Spirit moves the prophet. So that is to say, we have the Holy Spirit granting gifts. When you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 to 11, there are manifestation of gifts. So with the prophets, prophecy, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirit, which are part of the manifestation of the Holy Spirit gifts, will also be seen in his ministry. So he doesn't become a prophet or he's not made a prophet without the manifestation of these gifts in him. That's why I'm saying that the church or man cannot make someone a prophet or someone an apostle. The gift in that person makes him a gift for the church. Amen. So the prophet may have the gift of prophecy, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, designing of spirit, and sometimes miracles. So it must be noted that the prophet's message and prophets are to be, are also, they are not to be regarded as infallible. Sometimes the prophet may not get all the things true, but Every word of the prophet must be tested by the authentic word of God. So the congregation is required to discern and test whether a prophet's witness is from God. What we want to say is that a glorious church and a fivefold ministry gift, Jesus, when he ascended, he gave gifts unto men. And these gifts are for the church. They are gifted men, spiritual leaders, and deal with Holy Spirit gifts, and he makes some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, until the consummation of 
time, not until Christ comes for the church and not until the church reaches a glorious stage of, you know, maturity, where Jesus Christ, the bridegroom, will come for the church, the church continues the need for the apostolic prophetic ministry. We shall continue next week with the others. Amen.